This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be visiting with Michelle Warner. And Michelle is the director of Canines for Mobility. And that is a nonprofit organization located in Cheyenne, Wyoming, that's dedicated to training, placing, and supporting assistance dog partnerships. And Michelle is also an accreditation surveyor with Assistance Dogs International. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Michelle Warner to the show. Sit, stay, we'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. I'm so excited to welcome Michelle Warner to the show today. Hello, Michelle, and welcome. Hello, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that you could be here. It seems like we're always talking to programs on the East Coast, so I'm so excited to have an assistance dog program in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We have been um, very well welcomed in this part of the country. Everyone was very glad to have service dogs this close to them. Yeah. Well, tell us about your program. When was it established? Canines for Mobility was incorporated in March of 2012. And I had been working for another organization for 14 years in Kansas. And it was time to start an organization that I could try some of the things I've been wanting to try and take a little bit different approach to service dog training and placement. And so a group of individuals that I had been very close to throughout the years of my career supported me and helped me start this organization in Cheyenne. And one of those families has been in Cheyenne their whole life and has a lot of contacts, a lot of supportive people in the community that also have a lot of money and willing to help start up a nonprofit like Canines for Mobility. Wow, that's awesome. We, you, you couldn't have asked for more than that. Wow. Yes. We're very excited. The, the main thing that I wanted for Canines for Mobility was to be able to make placements with individuals on a one-on-one basis. Um, so sometimes these individuals happen to not qualify to maybe attend a larger service dog organization because of some of their multiple disabilities or not being able to travel 
or things like that. And so we train the dogs and then take the dogs to the person. So we live with that person and we even go to work if they want to keep working while replacing the dog. We go to, um, if it's a child, we go to school with them. We do everything that's in their normal routine and the dog get used to their normal routine instead of having them come to us and then go back home and deal with their real life situation. So that's been very, very successful. It's been a lot less stressful on the dogs and on the people who, of course, have a physical disability anyway that can be stressful. And it's a lot less fatiguing this way for them. Well, tell us what kinds of assistance dogs do you train and place? Are they service dogs? What types of tasks can they perform? Our service dogs work for someone who has a physical disability. And so they are trained to do tasks such as retrieving dropped items, tugging doors and closing doors pulling manual wheelchairs, manipulating lights and automatic door buttons. We also train dogs to provide a counterbalance stability for someone so that they can continue walking with the help of the dog and, of course, bracing for transfers and stairs. Cool. And so how does someone apply to get a dog with your agency? We have um, our first part of our application is on our website, or they can make a phone call and we'll send an application to them. And then we try to do... An interview, interview as soon as their application is complete, which includes a medical history form, personal references, veterinary reference, and, of course, their doctor's information about their health history. Then we try to meet the person and do an interview. Sometimes that means I go to them. Sometimes they come to us in Wyoming for an interview. And then once we decide that we can meet their needs, then the search for the right dog begins, whether it's one of the puppies we have being raised in our puppy homes or if it's a shelter or rescue dog, which has been a very successful program, aka Natural Ability, we locate that dog, get that dog started in training, and then usually about halfway through that dog's training, we take that dog and go to a home visit to that person's home to make sure that their personalities match, their sizes match, things like that, and that also gives me an opportunity to see their home environment, make any suggestions that I think need to be changed in order to provide a safe environment for the dog. And then once the training is complete, then we schedule the placement and I go and I live with the person while they're learning how to work with their dog. Wow. How long do you live with them? Usually it's 8 to 12 days, depending on if they've had a dog before or not. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you really customize your dogs to an individual. Yes, it's very much customized. We get to know the person and then we find the dog or what puppies that's coming up, determining if that dog is going to meet that person's needs. It's really important to us that not only does the dog love to do the skills that the person needs them to do, but the dog has the right personality. So if the person is a real go-getter and goes out a lot, we need a dog who likes to go. And on the other side, if the person is kind of a homebody, we want a dog that's okay with being at home. It's not going to be climbing Right, right. That's so important. Well, tell us about your shelter rescue dog program. How does that work? Well, that was something I really wanted to try with canine ability that I had never done before. And living in Cheyenne, we have two very wonderful places that we're able to acquire our dogs from. One is the Cheyenne Animal Shelter, and one is Black Dog Animal Rescue. And so we have a very nice relationship with both of those organizations. And we have went in and worked with their staff members in order to let them know what I'm looking for so that when these dogs do arrive in their program, they contact us so that I can come evaluate the dog. Um, Usually the dog is a year or so of age. I've looked at labs, lab mixes, 
I now have an Anatolian Shepherd mix in training, which was kind of a surprise for me, but she's turned out to be really, really talented. <laughs> and she, I think she thinks she's a lab. <laughs> so <laughs> I usually take those dogs, um, I go evaluate the dogs, and then I bring them to our facility, and they go through a 30-day evaluation period to temperament test them and health test them, you know, take them out public, see what they're like. We x-ray the hips, we get the eyes certified, um, get them around kids, other dogs, cats, everything we can do. And then if we decide that, yeah, they can make the program, we usually put them into a puppy training home, which is someone who's going to volunteer to socialize that dog for like three months. So it's kind of like a puppy raiser, except for it's not really a puppy. It's already probably a 60-pound dog. And so they teach the dog the house manners and how to go into a kennel nicely and be quiet, how to go out into public, how to ride in a car nicely. And then once that dog has been socialized, then they're returned to us at the facility, and then I start training their service dog skills. Right now, 50% of our placements are shelter and rescue dogs. Oh, I love that. That's so wonderful. That's such a, I mean, that just, it just maximizes the contribution that you're making, not only to the individual with a disability, but to this dog that might not have another life otherwise. I mean, that is just so awesome and awe-inspiring. I just love it when people use shelter and rescue dogs. That's so great. Well, and so you talked about the puppy training home. So where do your other puppies come from? Do you guys breed them? Canines for Billy does not have a breeding program simply because the only trainer, I can't train a whole litter of puppies all at the same time <laughs> when they would reach that maturity age. So we have relied on building a relationship with other breeders that have the types of dogs we'd like to train. Um, we have breeders in Wyoming, Colorado, and Nebraska that we have worked with repeatedly and already have dogs working, so we know we want to get more puppies from them. And we'll take one to two puppies at a time to put into a puppy trainer home. Uh, several of these breeders are reducing their costs or donating the puppies to us. Um, we also work with other schools, other assistance dog schools, that sometimes when they have a puppy, a litter of puppies, they don't utilize all those puppies, and so they will either donate or sell them to a reduced price to us. So, and sometimes we trade puppies um, <laughs> or older dogs. So, yeah, <laughs> it just kind of all works out on what everybody needs and what everybody's looking for. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors, but we're going to come back and continue talking with Michelle because I have lots more questions for you, Michelle, about what you guys are up to in Wyoming. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. 
If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Michelle Warner from Canines for Mobility. And Michelle, before the break, you were telling us about your awesome dog rescue, the Shelter Rescue Dog Program, and about your puppy program. So tell us, how do people become a volunteer puppy raiser or, or you have a puppy training home? Most of our volunteers are people who had dogs before. They love dogs, and a lot of them have had labs. It's important that if you're going to raise a lab, kind of know what to expect, because labs are kind of exuberant, very good chewers, <laughs> not always on the appropriate thing. So our families usually come to us because they've had dogs before, and they've lost a dog, or one of their dogs is getting older. Or Our families are very, very different. Some have three to five kids. Some are single homes. Some are parents who are empty nesters. So all our puppy raisers are very busy people. And we actually love putting our dogs into this kind of environment because then the dogs learn early on about good stress and routines and chaos. Yes. And so, you know, that's going to be a part of their life as a service dog. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know. I love it. So when we my like puppy... them to go to ball games. Yes. I love it when my puppy raisers are workaholics. That makes my life much easier when my dog is trained to lay in an office environment for a while. That's a really good thing. Yeah. That's probably one of the hardest things to teach dogs is to lay still and do nothing because it's boring. Yeah. And they're so smart and they're such good problem solvers. So, yeah, that is that is a very good skill for them to learn as puppies, going out to restaurants and going to church and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And being exposed to public transportation and all of those social things that we all find ourselves in those experiences. And I'm always amazed at how well these trained assistance dogs do in those highly stressful situations. Our puppy raisers are from all over. Um, they don't have to be here in Wyoming. We have them in Colorado and Kansas and Nebraska. And what we do is we just ask that the person comes to get the puppy. And then they turn in a monthly report with a picture and all their vet receipts. And so, and they also have to send me pictures once a week to post on Facebook because we have a really active Facebook page so that everybody can see what our puppies and our dogs are doing. Then at the end of a year, then they have to bring the puppy back. Those that are more local, I tend to work with more often. Those that are further away are my more experienced puppy raisers, and they've done this like six, seven times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they kind of well, group together and work together. That's so nice, yeah. Well, tell us, because you guys do an owner-assisted assistance dog training program, right? Which is such a, I know I get so many questions from our listeners about how can they train a dog that they already have to be their assistance dog. So tell us about that, Michelle. Yes, that was uh, another big talking point for Canines for Mobility. Um, not a lot of assistance dog schools are able to offer this kind of program, but more are getting into it. Um, assistance dogs international 
is just set um, ethics and standards that are in the accreditation process for schools that have an owner-trained program. And so what we've done is we have manuals and we have evaluation forms that the person who wants to train their own assistance dog has to complete all of those evaluations and applications, just like someone applying for one of our service dogs. And then they have to have completed their CGC. They have to be over a year old. And then we schedule an interview with that person. At this point, our owner train program is only working for local people in Colorado and Wyoming and Nebraska, just because I like to meet with them at least once a month, sometimes twice a month to evaluate the dog and how they're doing with their training. So that would be very expensive for someone to travel much further than that if they weren't close by. Yeah. What is so we CGC? have different um the canine well, good citizen. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Just for so for all of us <laughs> to know what that is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well I, I see what you mean about I mean that's still a pretty large area, Colorado, Nebraska and Wyoming, that people can get to you. So that's good, at least in that tri state area. Right. So for our owner chain programs, we do require them to travel to us while they're doing their training. And since the dog lives with them, they already know about their home. They're already accustomed to their routine and things like that. We spend time with them um, out in public. So when I meet with them, I want to see how the dog is out in public. I want to make sure that our evaluations have to be complete for a friendly dog, but a focused dog. It's going to yeah. represent all assistance dogs well because they're wearing the Canine Throwability logo as an owner-trained team. We want them representing us just as well as if we had the training ourselves. Yes, yes, so important. I know that's what I always, when people call me, that's one of my first questions is asking them if they've done any kind of public access testing and how is their dog in public because people just don't understand how critical that is and how it jeopardizes our public access rights when people have dogs out that are not appropriately trained and behaving appropriately. Yes, it's very, very important. And so those are the first things that we start when we do our evaluation is how confident is that dog out in public and, yeah. and does it represent us all well before we ever even worry about the different skills and things for them to learn. Right. Well, <laughs> I hear some of your students in the background. Yep. <laughs> Well, and you, um, Michelle, are really active not only with your own program with Canines for Mobility, but you also are active with Assistance Dogs International, and you serve as an accreditation surveyor, which is a really prestigious position. So tell us a little bit about what you do with Assistance Dogs International. Assistance Dogs International has an accreditation process for their membership, and so there's many of us who are trained to go to these organizations, and it's basically a kind of an audit so that we can make sure that everyone's following the same standards and ethics. Everyone has the same expectations to facilities, dog training, and dog placement. Many schools across the world train dogs to do different things, and they train dogs different techniques, but in the end, all of the end products should look the same as far as behavior and what we expect them to do. Right, right. That's wonderful. Well, and so when people contact you that want to do an owner-assisted training and they're not in those tri-state area, do you refer them to Assistance Dogs International? Correct. Anytime someone calls me that is inquiring about obtaining a service dog that perhaps is for 
with a disability that I am not able to serve or not able to meet their needs, then I do refer them to Assistance Dogs International website. Assistance Dogs International website has a listing of all the different organizations for types of dogs that they train. So if someone's inquiring about a dog to do skills that I'm not comfortable training or I don't have experience training, then I'll refer them to the website so that they can locate a school that can help them with that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I do that a lot as well. When people contact me, I'm always referring them to that website. And, and there are so many programs, and the number of programs are increasing, as you know, across the country. But I also really encourage people to look into programs that are ADI accredited, because I think that that accreditation process is so important. Um, and really, it really tells me a lot as a consumer who's looking into getting an assistance dog. I want to see that a program is accredited by ADI. ADI because they do have such high standards for the service dog and assistance dog industry, which is so important. Yes, I would tell anyone who's thinking about looking for a service dog, you definitely want to make sure that the organization is either accredited or in the process of becoming accredited. That way, you know that they're all upholding their dogs to the same standards, same with their facility and same with their trainers making sure that their trainers are well-educated in not only working with people with disabilities, but in working with dogs. The most important thing is knowing how to match a dog and a person with a disability together and teach them work together. Yes. Yes. It's so important. Yeah. And there are many yeah. people across the world that are getting scammed. Yeah, I know. Um, there's many I know. people I, who are calling I, me too late. <laughs> Yeah, I get calls all the time of people that paid a lot of money and then don't have a dog or have a dog that's not appropriately behaving in public. So, yes, that ADI certification, I think, is critical, and I certainly would not recommend anybody not really to not get a dog from a program that's not ADI accredited because of all of those standards that we know those agencies are following. Yeah. Well, it's been so awesome to have you on the show, Michelle, and I can't believe our time is ending, but I just want to ask you really quickly before we go today, how can people contact you or get more information if they want to apply for a dog or just support canines for mobility? Our website is www.k, as in the letter K, the number nine, the letter S, the number four, and the word mobility.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we hope you'll come back and visit with us again as you guys are growing and, and doing more. We'd love to hear more about your incredible work. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you, our <laughs> listeners, for being with us. We really appreciate you. And we'd love to hear from you. And so keep those emails coming. And remember that you can find us at workinglikedogs.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we hope to see you soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.